It's no secret that America is deeply divided. People talk about finding common ground, but it rarely seems to happen. More often, our national conversation sounds a lot like this. And there is an element on the left, they just hate America. How dare you, as an American, they... So what would happen if we tried a different approach? What would happen if we started instead with numbers? Let's, let's talk about measurable facts, if we could. What are the most important numbers that you think about and that you care about when you think about the future of this country beyond politics? Welcome to Numbers Geek, the new podcast from GeekWire in partnership with USA Facts. Coming up this season, we will be using numbers to better understand the world. A big part of our goal is to find common ground or at least establish some common understanding of the most divisive issues facing the country. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop, and that was me doing my best to get conservative political commentator Ann Coulter and a crowd of her critics to stop arguing with each other for just a moment and find some clarity by talking about the numbers. Coming up this season on Numbers Geek, we will explore the key numbers in government, business, tech, sports, and many other topics. On this episode, politics. Our big question, can numbers unite the country? Stay tuned to find out. All right, so before we jump into our own challenge of inserting numbers into politics, let's check in with our resident numbers geek to see how he does it. Who is now the founder of USA Facts and the chairman of the LA Clippers, Steve Ballmer. Steve! How are you, Steve? Great to meet you. Great to see you. You, uh, you bounded out here just the way I thought you would. With a little energy. Yeah, oh, my God. And you're talking facts. I love you. That's Steve Ballmer in a recent appearance on the HBO show Real Time with Bill Maher. Steve is best known as the former Microsoft CEO, and he's now the owner of the L.A. Clippers. But he's also the founder of USA Facts, GeekWire's partner on Numbers Geek. USA Facts is a nonpartisan, not-for-profit civic initiative that collects and reports all sorts of data about the government. Because of that, Steve has gotten lots of experience trying to ground people like Bill Maher in a common understanding of the numbers at the heart of our country's most contentious issues. That's what we're trying to do on this episode, so let's see what he has to say. Hey, I saw you on Bill Maher the other night. What was, what was that experience like? Well, it was a lot of fun. I'm always happy to get out there and talk about government numbers, and you know, Bill Maher was interested in doing that, so I got a little pumped up, and we talked about the fact that Numbers, facts, uh, are really helpful for forming debate, whether you come from the right or the left. It's interesting because that show is so opinionated, and obviously the host has great license to be opinionated, and yet they seemed to appreciate, it was almost refreshing, the fact that you were coming in not with opinions, but with facts. Hey, Bill Maher actually appreciates the fact that people should be grounded in the same numbers. He said to me, geez, I mean, you should come in and say do this or do that. He said, I was thinking about that, but you'd turn off 50% of the people right away and they'd never really listen to the numbers. So he was kind of all in with the concept of getting people 
common facts. It's interesting, and I don't want to get into a whole media discussion here, but I know one of the reasons that you were initially interested in doing this podcast was that you will go on like a CNBC or a Bloomberg, and they'll ask you their one question that relates to the thing that you are there to talk about, and then they'll spend the next four minutes trying to get news out of you. Tell me about your thoughts on overall discourse in media and the importance of having real conversations. I think that, and maybe this was always true, but I think a lot of television news particularly uh, is designed as much as anything to entertain. I don't mean to be inaccurate or not serious, but entertain as educate. And in a way, maybe that even makes sense. TV doesn't break the news on anything anymore. It doesn't. Everything breaks on the internet. So you could say then, what is the role? What's the role of the quick little news shows where everything has to be in five-minute bites because nobody wants to do anything other than snack? What does a long-form show look like? Most long-form shows today on television are what, 15 minutes? That would be a long-form how much can you really get done thoughtfully in 15 minutes? I think one of the big issues today, even in so-called print or online journalism, is will people take the time to present things comprehensively, and will anybody take the time to read them? Uh, and both of those things are, are open questions for me. Okay, now it's on to our challenge. Can we use numbers to bring substance to our political discourse? To find out, I went to Politicon, a conference held in L.A. every year that brings together thousands of people from across the political spectrum. So here's an example of what I was up against. I live like a capitalist every single day, Chank. I live as a capitalist, okay? I live when I believe. Hold on, hold on. What's my salary? Less than his. Charlie, take a seat. Come on, Chank, let's go. What are you doing? Take a seat. Take a seat. All right, no, no. Take a seat. You're going to take a seat. You're going to take a seat over here. Oh, my God. What's my salary? No, that was not a professional wrestling match. It was a panel at Politicon. This year's conference happened right before the midterm elections, and tensions were high. And true to Steve's observation, a lot of it seemed designed to entertain. Have there been a lot of panels where people start yelling and walk off? I never knew what really pissed off the Republicans about the Clinton administration. It was either a piece of the prosperity, but... I'll... This is part of the liberal character. They do behave. It's not just the violence itself. It is the mob behavior. I feel uh, like the fakest thing about the show was that we had rational Republicans. You just want, you want me to like fall on the stage and say, you're right, the Republican Party sucks, you're right. No, like I'm not going to say that because I, didn't say I don't Republican believe Party that. Sucks. Yeah. I, I don't believe that. Okay, that, that actually Unfortunately, is... that bit of insanity ends our panel. Yes. Um, you heard there from Fox News commentator Tucker Carlson, Democratic political strategist James Carville, conservative political commentator Ann Coulter, actor Bradley Whitford, better known as Josh from the West Wing, and former New Jersey governor Chris Christie, all speaking during sessions at Politicon. So I wanted to see what numbers would do. For two days, I roamed Politicon with my microphone, wearing my Numbers Geek t-shirt and carrying my copy of the USA Facts 2018 annual report. I talked with people ranging from everyday citizens to political strategists, and I asked one question. What are the issues and the numbers that matter most to them when it comes to the future of the country? 
People talked about health care and immigration, education, the economy, demographics, voter turnout. Now, these are many of the same topics that we'll talk about on future episodes of Numbers Geek. And on my quest, I kept crossing paths with one notable person. Or perhaps notorious would be a better word, depending on your perspective. Michael Avenatti just walked by. Everybody's hooting and hollering for Michael Avenatti. Yay! <laughs> He's followed by, look at this, it's like, look at, look at this. It's very funny. Yes, it was Michael Avenatti who rose to national fame as the lawyer to adult film actress Stephanie Clifford, better known as Stormy Daniels. Avenatti has been an outspoken critic of President Trump, and when we ran into him, at least, he was an aspiring presidential candidate. Now, this was before Avenatti was facing charges of domestic violence, but even then, not everyone was so thrilled to see him. Bye, creepy porn lawyer! (laughs) Creepy porn lawyer! So by the third time I ran into him, I decided, okay, this is the ultimate test. Who better than Michael Avenatti for me to try to engage in a substantive conversation about numbers? Michael, Michael, I'm a technology journalist and I host a podcast called Numbers Geek. May, may I ask you a question? So, or, okay, I don't want to bug you. Okay, okay thank you. Okay, so attempt number one obviously did not go so well, but hey, I was polite, so at least I was exemplifying the tone that I was trying to bring to the convention, but I wasn't about to take no for an answer. So I waited outside in the hallway while Michael Avenatti was interviewed for Extra, the TV show. I'm seriously considering running in 2020 because I think this is a unique uh, moment in our history. I think there's a lot at stake, and I don't believe that... A typical politician is going to be able to beat Donald Trump in 2020. So as Michael Avenatti taped that interview, I stood around nearby on the second floor of the L.A. Convention Center and chatted with a security guard hanging onto my microphone in case he finally reappeared. And then he did. What do you want to ask? I caught up with him right as he passed the espresso stand. He seemed a bit impatient with my persistence, but when I asked him about the future of the country and the numbers he cares about, he was willing to talk. He cited three key issues and related numbers that he tracks. How people are going to pay their health care expenses. I'm a proponent of Medicare for all. How you're going to restore good pain, high quality, stable jobs. And I think that has to be done through a significant infrastructure program. A lot of people talk about it. I think it actually needs to be, um, uh, I think it needs to be passed. And then you have to have a program that allows Americans to send their kids to college. No kid in America should not or should have to avoid college because they don't have the ability to pay for it or it's too expensive. So are there particular metrics, measures that you, that you look at? Or are, you, are you a data guy? Or? No, I'm, I'm somewhat of a data guy. I look at um, student loan balances. I look at how much uh, college tuition is rising along with the room and board. I look at GDP. I look at unemployment uh, numbers. I look at spiraling health care costs. I look at health care premiums. Uh, I look at uh, the potential cost of an expanded Medicare program. I mean, I think I look at a whole host of other numbers and data points. Okay, so there are a lot of interesting numbers to explore in that conversation across a variety of subjects. 
But let's zero in on health care because this was a key issue for many uh, people I spoke issue, with. As they call it, I would say health care. Uh, as someone who's had some health issues, um, if I didn't have health insurance, um, I might have been dead. This is Politicon attendee Marla Schulman. She's a producer, director, and marketer with a background in journalism. And her thoughts on health care are informed by her own experience. Uh, I had a melanoma about 15 years ago, and I had very good insurance through my company at the time. I look at that and say, wow, if I didn't have insurance, then I had to let that grow, and then I'm stage four metastatic cancer. And it costs somebody anyway. And I think the biggest problem is nowadays people don't understand that... Poor people without insurance, middle-class people without insurance, will go to emergency rooms and someone ends up paying, which is why the cost of health care is so expensive to begin with, because they have to pass it on. So I think that's the main one, because that affects people's livelihoods, jobs, and families. But there is one health care number that surprises a lot of people. So obviously the key number, one of the key numbers there, apart from costs, is the number of uninsured. I'd be curious if you were to guess how many, what percentage of the population is uninsured as of the most recent count? 70%. 70% uninsured. Right. What would you say if I told you it was 8.8%? I'd be shocked. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay, so the question is, right now, I don't trust our government. Okay, so to me, this is propaganda. So if you're looking at the data here and it says, it says, you know, they say that, you know, there's fake news. I think we have a fake government. This is one of those fascinating moments when conventional wisdom does not square with the government data. It is not an exaggeration to say that the data showing that 8.8% of the population does not have health insurance is a shock to many people. A lot of people expect the number to be significantly higher. So let's look at the numbers. Back in 2010, the uninsured rate was actually higher than it is today. But it was not 70%. It was 16%. So about one in every six Americans did not have insurance. After the Affordable Care Act, better known as Obamacare, went into place, the number dropped steadily until 2016 and then held steady at just under 9%. That means that the vast majority of people in the United States, more than 90%, do have health insurance. More than half of the population is covered by employer-provided plans. Medicare, Medicaid, military health care, and direct purchased insurance make up the rest. But, of course, insurance is just one of the ways to measure U.S. health care. Another is how much the country as a whole spends on health care. As a percentage of the U.S. gross domestic product, GDP, health care spending has risen from 8% to about 17% in the last 35 years. So what are we getting for that extra spending? Here's our resident numbers geek, Steve Ballmer. Well, health care is the single biggest part of GDP. And if you look at it on a household basis, it's the biggest single household expense. Now, most people say, oh, no, 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 that's not true. I don't spend that much on health care. But what they're forgetting is their employer or their government is spending it on their behalf. So if you look at all the money that is somehow used by individuals in this country, by far the biggest piece goes to health care. It forces you to ask the question, is all this money we're spending actually getting us healthier? 
So in the last 20 years, the average age at which people are dying has gone up from 72.3 years to 72.9 years. For all that additional money we're pumping into healthcare, it's not buying us much additional longevity today. You get those cancer treatments and all of this stuff, add it together, and it's giving you 0.6 years. Um, is it giving us higher quality of life? Maybe. And I'm not going to say the spending is not worthwhile. Certainly, if it's one of my loved ones, I tend to spend. But if you look at it overall and ask the question, uh, is this what people want? Would people spend their money increasingly on this or get their employers to do it for them or get their government to do it for them the way the insurance programs work? I don't know. We need to confront them with the facts and let people then draw their own conclusions. Here's, here's a thought for you. At my old employer, Microsoft, we would spend uh, between, t- at the time I left, I think five years ago, we were spending about, call it t- uh, 12000 $10,000 to $12,000 per employee. If you take a look at it and you said to many employees, do you really want to have that amount of money or would you per- prefer us to give you $5,000 back and have a weaker form of insurance, uh, I can... I can guess what the answer might have been, but it's an interesting way to ask the question of how people want to balance these things. We'll have a full episode on healthcare later on in this season of Numbers Geek, but in the meantime, you can go to usafacts.org to see charts and graphs of all the numbers we discussed, plus a whole lot more. So we've conquered our first challenge. We chased down Michael Avenatti, and we were able to have a reasonable conversation with him about numbers that led to some surprising insights into one of the biggest issues facing the country. No shouting involved. Well, that's about to change. Coming up, our final challenge on this episode of Numbers Geek, Ann Coulter and her critics. Welcome back to Numbers Geek. I'm your host, GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. Our quest this week, use numbers to bring substance to our national political conversation. The setting is Politicon, the bipartisan political festival that drew thousands of attendees, activists, and political leaders to the Los Angeles Convention Center this fall. One of the headliners was Ann Coulter, the well-known conservative political commentator who is especially outspoken on immigration issues. This was one of the most combative sessions I witnessed at Politicon. It was called Ask Ann Anything, but most of the questions devolved into heckling and shouting matches. In fact, most weren't even questions. This clip will give you a sense for what it was like. You'll also hear the voice of Ben Stein, the economic and political commentator who moderated the session. Why do you feel you have to lie about saying that no one's willing to debate you? They're willing to debate you. You're afraid that you're going to get destroyed. By just like you got grade. destroyed last year. <laughs> you, got, you got destroyed last year by Anna Kasparian. Kyle Kalinske yeah. would destroy you this year. That's why you won't debate. Okay, when we that's were describing not, questions that's versus not, that's speeches, not, sir, that's not this a will question. be our why example. Do you, sir, why, why do you feel the not, need to lie? Sir, why do you feel the need not, to lie sir, about sir, no one being sir, willing to sir. debate you? Sir, that is not a question. So I jumped in line for the microphone and waited while everyone yelled at each other for what seemed at the time like several hours, but was probably more like 15 minutes. And finally, I got my chance to step up to the mic. For both of you, what are the most important numbers that you think about and that you care about when you think about the future of this country beyond politics? 
Well, I would like to see more people get a decent education and uh, especially, especially not be taught the same liberal crap that they're taught now all the time. And uh, I'd like to see more people uh, entering the labor force. And I think Mr. Trump has done a fabulous job at that. But, uh, and I would like to see many, 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 many more fathers marry the mothers of their children. Okay, thank you. Yeah. That's very good. I second that, both of those. And then I guess the only other number I'd, I'd add is about 50 million illegal aliens. <laughs> um, well, it's described in Adios America, and I won't bore you too much here, but back in 2006, um, we've been hearing it's 11 million, 11 million, 11 million for 40 years. Very unlikely. Um, so back in 2005, a couple of analysts at Bear Stearns, when it was still around, did a long analysis. They said, this can't be right. They've been telling us 11 million for a decade, and that was in 2006. And so they looked at other things. Um, they looked at housing permits drawn, um, school enrollment, and illegal alien hotspots. Back then, they determined it was 20 million illegals. Then you had these two famous investigative reporters from Vanity Fair and Time Magazine, Barlett and Steele. They have their own entry in Wikipedia. They spent a year investigating illegal immigration. Back then, in 2006, they said, we're getting 3 million a year. There is no way. <laughs> it is 11 million now. I mean, at the smallest estimates of what both of those figures put together, it's more like 50 or 60 illegal aliens and trying to find a parking spot in L.A. I think that's right. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was a very good Okay, question. so there is a lot to unpack here. The official estimates of how many undocumented immigrants live in the U.S. have been about 11 million to 12 million for the past decade or so. Given all of the discussion and attention on illegal immigration in the United States, it's easy to understand why that's difficult to believe. That said, at the high end of the estimate, she cited, 60 million people, that would be the equivalent of 18% of the U.S. population. And a lot of people would find that hard to believe as well, no matter how hard it is to find parking in Los Angeles. But this mistrust of the government numbers was a recurring theme among the people I talked with at Politicon. So I wanted to run this by our resident numbers geek, Steve Ballmer. What do you say to people who don't trust the government data? Well, I would say we have very professional, non-politicized civil servants who do their very best work. It doesn't mean that some, because things, some things are statistical, it doesn't mean things are perfect. But I also say, look... If people really think there's a problem, then it's incumbent on them as citizens to make it a priority to get this stuff right. I was actually talking to uh, Senator Bill Bradley uh, today, and he was talking about that being an important theme for some of the work uh, he's doing uh, with uh, Paul Volcker and others is to make sure people understand the civil servants in this country really do do a very good and very professional work. And uh, I think people have to really appreciate and recognize that. One of the numbers that Ann Coulter called out specifically was the number of undocumented, unauthorized immigrants, the estimate of that in the government, which has been at flat at around 11 million to 12 million over the past decade, essentially, which seemed implausible to her. We've talked a lot about that number. What do you say to suspicions that that number is actually much higher? Well, that one's an estimate, and it's the government's best estimate, but it's not prepared by politicians. 
it's prepared by professional statisticians and I it's the best number we have and if people don't think it's good enough then somebody ought to put put you know real effort and energy towards convincing people to put more money into to do even more analysis but uh, my guess is it's pretty darn good I appreciated what Steve had to say but as a journalist I was not entirely satisfied we've already started digging further into these numbers for our immigration episode And in the meantime, we will do our best to let you know exactly what types of numbers we're using and where they come from. In that spirit, you can find the key immigration and border security data on page 40 of the USA Facts 2018 annual report at usafacts.org, along with links to the sources of data. But in the meantime, back at Politicon, it did feel like the numbers accomplished something. Later in the day, a Politicon attendee named Joshua Bermudez came up to me. He was there as a producer, working on a show called A Matter of Opinion, and he noticed something when I asked my question in Ann Coulter's session. Tell, tell me what you were saying. Yeah. Um, so everybody in the room was yelling until you asked a question about numbers. And so when, when you brought it back into the real world and got concrete again, all of a sudden, everyone's... Uh, fervor died down just enough for the speaker to talk for people to listen even if it was short-lived it worked it was magic I walked immediately from that to Equality Hall same thing happened got up there everyone was got there I heard this story you did this thing why won't you do it was it was challenging it was making statements but it wasn't questions Fortunately, we didn't have anybody. The moderator was there who did a fantastic job of kind of moving things along. But we didn't have anybody to diffuse the tension. We didn't have anybody asking, you know, I mean, there were a few good questions, but it gets so heated because as soon as they attack, whoever's for them is cheering for them, the attacker, and whoever they're attacking, everyone who's for, you know, Ted Lieu, when someone's yelling at him, is telling that person to shut up and be quiet. Nobody can hear anybody. It's like politics is sport, and it should be like math class you know what I mean but, but the problem is math class is boring it's true I, we need I, we need to get a little more boring I mean the fact of the matter is too like I know it's going to sound super weird but maybe you'll understand this probably more than anybody numbers can be sexy you just got to work a little bit harder to do that it's not as easy as getting up and starting to call people names right? Joshua Bermudez is a producer working on an installment in the documentary series A Matter of Opinion So here is my big takeaway from this experience. It is possible to change the tone of the national conversation with numbers, at least in a small way, and to get people to stop yelling, at least for a moment. And that's encouraging. But it's a small first step, and we've clearly got a lot of work ahead of us. Fortunately, we have a full season of Numbers Geek ahead. Join us next time for more boring, sexy numbers, No name-calling, we promise, at least not from us. Before we end the show, we'd like to invite you to tell us your number. What's the single most important number to you right now? It could be about your work, your family, the biggest issue you care about in the country, or your favorite cause in the world. Why does the number matter to you? Record a 30 to 60 second voice memo about your number on your smartphone. Include your name and where you live, and email your audio clip with your contact information to numbersgeek at geekwire.com, and we may feature it on a future episode of the show. Thanks for listening to Numbers Geek. Be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. 
and we would love it if you left us a rating and a review to tell other people what you think of the show. For more Numbers Geek episodes and videos, go to geekwire.com slash numbersgeek. See interactive graphics, charts, and more about the data we talk about on the show at usafacts.org. Numbers Geek is produced by GeekWire in partnership with Steve Ballmer and USA Facts. Audio editing and production by Claire McGrain. Photos, videos, and development by Kevin Lasoda. Graphic design by Killer Infographics. Theme music by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. From GeekWire, I'm Todd Bishop. See you next time on Numbers Geek. Numbers Geek.